Do you know a woman who is driving positive change, growth, or innovation in her organization or community? The second annual Success Women of Influence Awards are underway. So whether a friend, a family member, or peer, give the recognition she deserves. The Success Women of Influence Awards honor, celebrate, and empower the extraordinary women whose contributions have impacted their industries and their communities, and the personal and professional lives of those in their world. Visit success.com slash W-O-I to nominate the women of influence in your life today. If you're looking for success, it's in the details. Small hinges move big doors. And now your host, Karen Allen. Hello, friend, and welcome back to another episode of In the Details. I'm your host, Karen Allen. Today, we have a true trailblazer in the world of entertainment, a woman whose passion, drive, and dedication have not only redefined the entertainment industry, but also made it more inclusive and diverse than ever before. Shab Ozma is a beacon of resilience and innovation as a first-generation Iranian-American. She's a fierce advocate for diversity in an industry known for its exclusivity. She's woven her way through the glitz and glamour of Hollywood, shattering glass ceilings and forging a path that amplifies voices that have long been underrepresented in the entertainment industry. She's more than a talent manager, more than a brand strategist behind the scenes. She's an executive producer who's crafted captivating shows and left her imprint on star-studded licensing programs, including that of the culinary sensation Aisha Curry. Her passion for storytelling, her relentless pursuit of opportunities, and her fearless determination have led her to establish ARC Collective a female-led powerhouse talent and brand management company that's making waves and breaking barriers. So fasten your seatbelts, friends, because we're getting ready to journey into the heart of an industry seen through the eyes of a woman who's changing its very fabric one talent at a time. Let's get in the details with Shab Ozma. Shab, welcome. Thank you so much. So glad to be here. Oh, I'm happy you're here too, because I'm like, we got a lot to talk about. Like, we, <laughs> And first, I'm most curious, how did you decide to pursue this career in the entertainment industry? What drew you in? I, I think about my son who loves to watch like Marvels and he loves to watch all these different shows. And I'm like, I think you could be a producer or a director or something because you're, you love this space. What drew you in? Did you know from a young age that this is where you were going to end up? You know, I I feel like as a young girl growing up in a small town in New Jersey, I had dreams like a lot of people probably do of being in entertainment. I was captivated by films, uh, like became to the point of obsessive with certain certain stars, musicians. Um, Entertainment was just kind of in in my blood, whether it was acting or, or music. And I was a performer myself. So I always had a love for the craft of acting and music. And I had, you know, dreams of coming to Hollywood as a young girl and, um, and pursuing that myself. Um, and then obviously coming, to, I came to California, went to college and really also knew very quickly that I was, I was someone that wasn't the most patient and waiting for someone else to dictate my future. <laughs> we and I was that. also very business minded, <laughs> um, and sort of also couldn't wait to always be in business. So it was kind of this marriage of entertainment and business that I think I had always had inside of me and, you know, had never dreamed that this is what I'd be doing now as a manager. I think I never even knew what that was as a child, but just always really had a passion for 
entertainment. Mm, I think that's interesting that you say that because again, as children, we see one thing and I'll just use, um, you know, athletes as an example. So let's say I'm a basketball player. I'm like, Oh, I'm going to go to the WNBA, right? My son thinks that oh, I'm going to go to the NBA. We see this one role when really I'm trying to give him this more expansive perspective of, Hey, you can be, and there's also all of these other ways that you can still be a part of this area that you love very much, something you're, you're very passionate about. So how did you start to find your way? Like, were you trying different things on as you were saying, well, okay, how do I want to be in this industry? And, and what did that look like? for you? Yeah. You know, I had interned when I was in college at NBC universal, I worked in the press and publicity department and I was enamored by being on set and being around talent and just feeling like I was in the right place. Um, at the same time, I was still straddling with the idea of uh, performing myself. So I had taken acting classes in college and I had, a, I had a, my director at the time thought that I was actually, I guess, fairly good at it and had said, you know, sort of, is, what are your intentions? Is this what you want to do? And so it kind of gave me the, I guess, the confidence to pursue it. And so that's when I was saying sort of, I pursued it living in Orange County, working in banking while I was sort of, you know, just graduating college. And I gave it like a couple years and I got some things in those couple years. But again, that notion of sort of waiting for someone to look like the way you looked and like the way that you dressed and just sometimes what felt like really arbitrary sort of decisions. Um, and it, uh, we've also found in this industry, it's a lot of who, you know, now working in the side of the industry. Um, and so I think I just I ran out of that patience. And so I started to work in the industry after the internship and I fell into a few different areas. I had taken a job as a temp within an entertainment union. And so I got plugged into different departments within the industry. I got into working at a music label. I worked at um, home video at the time when this was before DVD, the, uh, you know, the home video uh, at, at Universal. I worked at MCA Records. I worked at the home video department. I worked at the consumer products department. And I was just a temp though. But what was great about that was I got exposure to different parts of the industry that I had no idea even existed. And so that gave me kind of a nice framework. And then I ended up getting a job in production at a production company while I was temping there. I connected someone and they said, listen, I know this production company that's looking to hire. And I was a PA and I worked on, it was a commercial music video production company and I got that kind of experience. And it was just kind of nice to kind of jump around and see and then it just so happened that the person I attempted for when I was at Universal and Consumer Products came back and quit their job. And so the vice president who I had assisted called me and said, hey, would you want to come take this job? And it was my first job, like a real job offer. And at the time, I was still dabbling with acting. And I remember that moment where I'm like, am I going to give it up? Am I really committed to like getting a real job and no longer pursuing the more performance and sort of creative side of myself? And I remember... Um, that moment where I was really sort of like forced to make that decision. And I decided to take the job because I thought, okay, this is a great opportunity for me. And sure enough, like right after I took the job, my agent at the time called me and was like, I booked a commercial for you. You got to go to Vegas. Blah, blah, blah. And I, I hadn't told her yet that I took the job and I didn't even have to audition. It was based on print material at the time. And I had to break the news to her. And I remember that moment I was like, man, the universe just totally tested me. And that really set the stage for me. I mean, that was really how I got my start in learning and understanding branding and intellectual property and um, 
marketing and strategy and retail and theatrical. And like, I think the consumer products department at a studio like Universal was such a great place for me to learn so many different departments within this industry and then really set the stage for what I'm doing today. Mm-hmm. And so when you were making that decision, is that what you were thinking about when you were trying to decide? Like, because I imagine I, I've even worked with people who are in transition and it's very hard for us to say, okay, well, what is the best decision? Like, what is the right thing? And I don't know about you. I'm a recovering perfectionist. So I'm always trying to like plan to the nth degree. And so when we're in that space of uncertainty, you know, there is a lot of soul searching that you have to do checking in with your intuition. I think, gosh, if we strengthen our intuition, right, that helps us to feel at least more confident as we're making these decisions. So for you, when you were trying to choose between the thing that you, you know, thought you were going to do even as a a youngster and then being presented with this opportunity that took you in a different direction, what was your mindset like? And and how did you decide to go with this one path? I think for me, what I realized about myself was um, as much as I loved performing. And I also was in music. So I was performing, uh, as a music artist after that. So I just have that part of me inside, but I realized I was never going to be someone like Jewel who was going to be living in a van to try to pursue her dreams. I just was raised with parents who both worked and I had a strong work ethic. And I remember as a young child, as much as I loved entertainment, I also really always thought of myself as a bit, I used to wear like business jackets like this in high school. Like it's the running. I mean, I'm, when I look back, I was like, my goodness, like I was bred to be in business. I remember like dreaming about a, like a theme, like having a briefcase. Cause my dad was always dressed really nice in a suit and like a briefcase. And I really loved that about my dad. And I loved when he was always dressed up. So there was this part of me that always, very much, I was very business minded, but I also had that creative side. So it's, I think it's sometimes a struggle when it's not like one or the other, like some people are just pure creative and some people are just pure business, more logical and cerebral. I really feel like I had the both inside of me. And so that being said, I think I just knew myself. And I think perhaps the way that I was raised, I just had two parents who were, again, had such a strong work ethic. And the thing with acting at the time was you just have such little control and power. And I just wasn't going to have someone again, dictate that for me. I was like, I just, there's nothing you can really do, you know, to get the role. You can do your best, you can perform your best, but at the end of the day, there's 500 other people that are trying to, for that job. And you know, I feel for those casting directors and, and the people, the producers that have to make those decisions. But at the end of the day, I just wasn't patient enough to do that. I had worked too hard. I went to college. I, I wanted to get out in four years. I interned, you know, while I was in college. I worked while I was in college. I just, I wasn't someone that was willing to wait around. I wasn't, no offense, but I wasn't willing to go work in a restaurant after I graduated college and put all that work into it in the hopes that I was going to land a, a role in some way. So for me, the job at Universal kind of, while I felt a little bit like I was selling out, I'm not, I remember that feeling. I do think in hindsight, it was the right decision because it really did set the stage for what is now my, my true purpose in my life. It's really crystallized for me over the past 20 plus years of like, this is exactly where I needed to land. And if I hadn't taken that job, I probably wouldn't be able to do the job that I'm doing now in the way that we're doing it at ARC. Absolutely. But you know what, even that early on vision or dream for your life was a stepping stone for you to get perfectly positioned for the opportunity that was going to be that long-term, like this is the dream that we're building, which again, I don't think that we always are in tune with that. I think sometimes we're 
listening so much to what other people are expecting or what they see in us, or, or maybe we do hold so tight to one form, one version of this dream that we don't give ourselves the space to explore it even more to see, well, how else can this play into, to the bigger picture? And so I'm also glad that you said yes to that. You're not a sellout at all, Chef. Uh, <laughs> if anything, you were just really in tune with yourself. And, and I think because of that, it seems like you were able to get that earlier start on something that's, you know, massively impactful today. Now, part of your journey was also working with other talent and, and brand management companies. What made you decide to eventually launch your own agency with Art Collective? Yeah. So, you know, I had obviously worked at a few different management companies. I was a partner in one just before I launched Art for about a decade. And I had an incredible mentor who was my business partner. And I, I could never in a million years have told you when I first worked, joined his company that I would do what I'm doing now. I think I, um, I, it needed to, I needed the time those 10 years with him to really understand that side of the business. I'd worked mainly in scripted before that. Um, and so for me to kind of trip into the lifestyle space and work with, you know, people that were unscripted reality television personalities um, mostly experts was really kind of new for me. And, um, the reason why it made sense was because I had a strong consumer products background from when I took the job at universal those years prior. And that's really what made sense. And the reason why I partnered with him is because you have these experts and you can brand them. You can't really do that at the time when I worked at the firm, which was a really big management company. We represented big A-list actors, really big music artists, you know, we had some great merchandising programs for like the Backstreet Boys and people like that. But like when you're talking about actors like Leonardo DiCaprio and Cameron Diaz, who, who were talent that we rep, you couldn't really, you can't really brand them, especially at that time. It was really tricky to even at the time those actors weren't even really doing national commercials or any type of commercials back then. It was kind of taboo. Everything that they did was mainly overseas if they ever did those kinds of things. So for me, it was like, but I understood branding. I understand it consumer products and, and manufacturers and retail relationships from my days at Universal. And so when Robert, my former partner, had asked if I would come join his company because he was representing celebrity experts that you could brand, you think of someone like a Martha Stewart or Rachel Ray or even Chip and Joanna Gaines, it's like they've built empires around their expertise. And so it really made sense. And that's where I was saying that crystallization started to happen. But it took me a little while to really understand that side of the business and then really mastering management because my job, even at my prior management company, I was more in licensing and I was, I was doing that stuff there. So for me, it was, um, it took those, that, those, those years. And then I really got to a place where I felt like I was ready to do my own thing. I loved my partner. He's an incredible person, but we weren't always on the same page with everything. And, um, he was also entering into a different time in his life. He's about, a, he's about 10 years older than me. And, um, you know, it was his name. It was, it was his company. It was his namesake on the company. And I, as much as I was literally at that point running the company, it still wasn't fully mine. And so a lot of the decisions were, you know, we had to kind of talk about together, or I had to really be mindful of, of the history of his company. And so it was around the pandemic. It was around that time. So not the best time to start a company, I was just about to say, <laughs> but it was like, we all had taken that time to reflect. And I think for me, I kind of had, I did have quite a big um, sort of awakening and an epiphany through um, some experience that I had gone through. And so I sort of really, it was very crystal clear for me. And I, I, 
I knew that I had to end the partnership, which was very painful to leave a partnership after 10 years, like any relationship and scary. And um, there was a lot of fear around disappointment and hurting someone's feelings and even just taking on that level of responsibility because I got to sort of walk into an already organized company that already had health insurance and payroll was already set up. So all those things that I had now was going to have to think about. And during a pandemic where you couldn't even open up a bank account because there was no bank for you to physically go to. So, you know, thinking about that, but I, I chose to step into my power and my fear and be courageous. And I had the conversation with him and he, he actually took it better than I thought. And I think he really understood that I, I had a vision, like a really clear vision that I wanted to have it be a female, female led, um, female owned company, obviously, but also that my, my sort of my, my mission statement was intentional and it was going to be different than what my, what his company had been rooted in. And so when I sort of was able to share my vision, I think he really understood my, he wanted to support my dream and, mm -hmm. and thank God, cause it's been an incredible almost three years now that we started ARC and it's been better than I could have ever expected. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. I think I'm just getting a sense of your personality. One, you have really learned how to sharpen that intuition to trust yourself and to be courageous. Um, sounds like you've also had to face a lot of no's, which I'm sure I just imagine the en in entertainment industry being like a whole bunch of no's and maybe one, yes, squeaked yeah. out, you know? And so yeah. it can feel very um, draining, you know, yeah. as a business owner, it certainly feels that way as you're trying to forge your way. But just in that industry alone, you know, like you said, 500 people might try out for one role. Um, on the other side, you might have three or four agents looking to represent an up and coming talent. So it's very, very competitive. And again, lots of no's that are in there, but it feels like you operate with a growth mindset. And, and if anything, you can take that no and you can reshape it into something that's more productive. Can you share an experience where you had a no, but that helped to propel you forward and it turned into a learning opportunity? Um, where I had a no, I mean, I feel like we get no's all the time as managers. You're like, I'm immune um, to it at this point. Uh. <laughs> it's, it's really, I can't tell you how many times we have tried to, the thing about ARC, which I really am so proud of is that we really dig deep with our talent. We're very curated. We're very, very intentional with who we sign. And that was a big part of why I wanted to start my own company because I inherited a lot of fantastic clients, but they weren't clients that I had chosen with my previous company. So with this, it was sort of, we did have to separate from some certain clients. I didn't, so I, acquired, I basically acquired the talent business from my partner and then we had to do some house cleaning. Um, and then we sort of started to attract a very intentional client roster and um, I think the reason why I was wanting to do that was because I had felt like there wasn't enough diversity in our roster at my previous company. And I wanted to keep that, um, I wanted to keep that at the forefront. I really, as a, as a minority myself, as someone who grew up, you know, an Iranian in an Iranian family, uh, in, 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 again, a small town in New Jersey who had to fight my own battles of growing up. I wanted to sort of like take my learnings as a, as a business person and an, an entertainment expert and 
really propel forward. What I saw was this shift that was happening, as you may know, it's like we all sort of see that shift of more inclusivity and really drive that home and not have it be a momentary fad, if you will. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it just so happened that the clients that we were attracting after we signed one and then another, it was like every client we've now signed for the most part, I think we've only went after one have all come to us organically. And, um, I think that for me, I'm in the business of having to push and advocate for our clients and get people like network executives to take a real look at the talent and, and willing to take risks. And they've done that. I mean, I have a client right now who's had incredible success on the network um, because we pushed really hard and because we created a show for her that is really showcasing her in a way that the network would have never thought to do. And so with a, as a management company, we're not just transactional. We really dig deep. We have a development department. We develop show ideas with our clients. And then we're really thoughtful about who to go and partner up with on the production side and or which network to go to for that concept in hopes that they're going to understand and get it because it's what our clients really want to do. There's the easy plug and play model where our our talents are plugged into already existing formats. But our big thing at ARC is we've dedicated our department to really like sitting down and creating bespoke show format ideas that are a bit outside of the box so that we can continue to have more diversity in the content, mm-hmm. you know, that's out there that we're all consuming on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. I kind of feel like as you were talking, I'm like, oh, she took all of the nose in the entertainment industry and was like, and I'm creating this fruitful experience for the people who are getting the nose. I love that. I started to feel something inside where I was like, oh, no, it's bigger than one experience. It's a culmination of experiences mm-hmm. that then helped you to grow and, and to feel that challenge and to create something really, really beautiful. Yeah. And I think to your question before about the nose, I think the one thing I can say is we just had this experience. I was telling Jill about it, that, you know, we have taken the history that we have as, as professionals and have really created um, like just clear boundaries. I mean, we had a production company and a, and a major cable network that was interested in one of our clients um, for a show. They wanted to pay a very low episodic fee and they wanted to have him fly himself out from the South and come here and put himself up for four weeks of production on his own dime. Mm -hmm. And I was mortified. And I was like, no, like, no, (laughs) I know you think that you're doing him a favor by putting him on a pretty big network, but shame on you for wanting to, especially during a strike, like the one that we're having, or we've been having to offer this kind of ridiculous deal. And so it's about also knowing that the yeses are going to come, we're going to make those happen. This was a plug and play situation and we're not going to, it's about knowing your self-worth and helping our client understand his worth. And it's because of all the no's that we've had to push through where we could sort of give him the confidence to say no for him to say no, because there's a part of him that was like, but, but, but what, like you, you just said you would be upside down financially because you'd have to leave your own current work for a month and then put yourself up. And, you know, and then, so my, I think from all the, the, the sort of the adversity that we've dealt with in the industry and across the board, we've been able, we've done this long enough where we know when to push back. And for us, we have absolute, we always tell our clients, we have no problem saying no, mm-hmm. you know, we're not, we're not, we're not, yes, we're a commission-based company. We make money when you make money, but we also are about integrity. And we also believe that you need to always remember your worth. 
and that the right opportunity is going to come, or we're going to create that opportunity. Mm. To have a partner in that space is like, it's a game changer, you know, because we don't always see the value in ourselves or depending on the current circumstance, we're like, I need to say a yes. Like I need to, you know, get this paycheck. And so to have somebody who can help you to stay with an integrity, to remind you of your value. I mean, that's going to be a game changer for the folks who you represent. And, and again, I think part of what we're learning in this is like, Hey, you have a voice too. You have a say too. You don't have to just take the scraps. Like you can stand tall and you can stand fully in your value and maybe saying no to this one thing leads to a yes. That's the right thing. I've certainly learned that in my own journey. It's like, I didn't want to say no, but then when I did, I all of a sudden was like in perfect alignment for the yes, that was knocking at the back door. Like, Hey, I'm here for you. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I wonder, um, as a woman in this industry and in what I imagine, I'm not in the entertainment industry, but I imagine because of decades of, of it being male dominated, something that I have always felt as a business owner. And it, I think it came, I know it came from my earlier years of like, Oh, don't be too, and then fill in the blank. Right. But what, why is women, are we hearing that? Or do we feel that, you know, where, where is that coming from? And I actually had Marie Forleo on the show. We were discussing this one part of her book and it was about being too fill in the blank. Right. And one of the quotes that I love, and it definitely applies to the work that you're doing is you can't make a difference without making waves, which is so true. Right. So I am curious, how have you kind of navigated that space of like standing up and and making waves and also avoiding being labeled as too, or do you just like, you're like, I don't care. I'm, I am too all of that. And I'm not worried about how, how do you navigate that? You know, as, um, a recovering people pleaser. I think that, um, we all have the tendency to want to conform to what we have. We think people expect from us. And I've had to really learn that a lot in the last couple of years of just really like owning again, our power and, and not being so concerned about what everybody else thinks, as long as you're like working and living in integrity. And I think for me, even with like how vocal we've been about unionization of our unscripted talent, which we at ARC have been real advocates about, and we've been really loud about it in PR. You know, I had even my publicist say, you know, are you sure you want to take this stance? You know, you could get ostracized by the industry. And I was like, yes, because it's, it's, it's so critical. And I, my job is to advocate for my clients. And at the end of the day, they deserve a lot more than what they're getting uh, as on-camera talent. And so if not me, who, you know, and thankfully there's been tremendous support, but it was a risk. And I think that again, as long as it's, I, I love the saying that so sort of like when you're forced to make decisions, as long as you're not operating under fear or ego, like you're in a good place. And so I always try to check that. It's like, is it like, am I operating under fear am I, or I'm operating with ego? So for me, it was in that case, I would only not talk because of fear. It wasn't about ego because it had nothing to do with me and everything to do from about my clients. Mm-hmm. And so I had to sort of like, I try to really lead with that. And I really learned that a lot in this last couple of years is about sort of that, that sort of check-in of ego and fear. And as long as you're sort of in alignment that it's not like I'm trying to pump up my chest and it's not about getting a name for my company, it was really low. I wholeheartedly, and I'm very passionate about this subject. And, 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 and the, and the, and that was sort of the way for me to, to know that I was the right thing. 
Yes. I love that. Oh, I'm going to be using that one for sure. Cause <laughs> I don't mind making waves. Like that was something that I learned early on when I was trying to talk to people about, Oh, how do we handle grief in the workplace? You know, by putting compassion into action. And then I pivoted and I was like, okay, well, I don't want to talk about grief. I want to talk about growth, but I mean, how do we talk about growth from the mental uh, strength standpoint without talking about all of mental wellness, which then became a little like, Oh, where do we go from here? But I, I think the, the point is, is when you really believe in something, when you understand your mission, when you are tied and invested to your, your passion, that's a really good check is to say, Hey, I can still show up fully. I can make waves. I can, you know, buck the system and go against status quo. As long as I'm checking in to make sure that these things aren't coming from a fearful place or, or a place of pride or ego, that's such a good nugget. Thank you so much for sharing that. Gosh, I'm happy to, (laughs) I think it's a really good barometer and I'm really trying to, I'm not perfect. But I am really trying very hard to think and check in with myself a lot more every day with everything that I'm doing as a human, as a mother, as a wife, as a business owner, um, as a friend, as a, as a family member. It's sort of like, you know, it's it's really been um, a touchstone for me, that sort of fear ego. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That balancing. I ask a clients this a lot, whether I'm speaking or coaching, you know, one of the things that we have to do is we're thinking about how we want to show up in the world and we're training our, our mind, our thoughts, our beliefs, and all of that to be that is to just ask yourself, who do I want to be? Like, yeah. who do I want to be in this situation? Because when you can align your thoughts and your words and your actions with that lens of like, what kind of person do I want to be in this world? Then you will always feel like you made the right decision. Even if it doesn't pan out perfectly as you had hoped or all those things, at least you will feel good inside and you'll feel alignment. And that, that I think is, I mean, it is powerful. It is powerful. Speaking of alignment, as I mentioned earlier, it's, very clear that you stay tapped in <laughs> very well. and, and being in an industry where like business demands and pressures, I mean, all of that in the entertainment industry, along with the rapid pace of how things move, how do you remain grounded? Like, how do you protect your peace? If you will, I, I imagine it's important, especially for you to stay authentic and impactful. So what do you do to protect your peace? Yeah. You know, I would say, um, my children are a big part of that. Like they're a constant reminder to me of being grounded. Um, I have a seven and 11 year old and they're both boys and they're, um, they're like, they give me so much humility and, um, yeah, they're my, they're, they're, they're the, you know, the best gift that I could have ever given. And I feel like my sense of purpose came through a lot when I had them, but then I, I just recently discovered that you also have to make sure that, that there's, that's more than that. And that you're, you know, you, you can't just fill your cup with your children or just your job. Mm. And so for me, to your point, I feel like personally, like when I come to sort of like groundedness and personal happiness, I think sort of, I've really, I learned transcendental meditation this last year, which I was always sort of adverse to, cause I'm like me meditate. I don't even know what that means. Yeah. My mind is constantly going, exactly, exactly. That, was, I, I, that was a really incredible experience. Never thought I would actually enjoy meditate that. And I think it had to be transcendental just because of the way that they, you meditate with that. And, um, so that was really helpful. I have been really good about my commitment to my body and with 
doing my, my, my workout, you know, a few days a week, I'm like committed to that and making sure that I do that. Um, I've been drinking mushroom coffee, um, switching from coffee to mushroom coffee, uh, just to help with clarity and focus. And so I have little things along the way that I've been describing. I love music. So I really, that's where my soul is at. And so really making more time to listen to music and to read more, um, because it's so hard when you're a busy working mama, it's like so hard to make that time for yourself. So I've really learned so much, honestly, in this last year and a half, I would say of trying to get back to the things that are, um, for me, Mm, because as you're, as a, as what I do in, in this industry, it's, um, I have a lot of, I always say like my clients are like my adult children. And I say that with complete respect, Mm -hmm. but it's like, as a manager, Mm -hmm. these are, again, they're your responsibility. Mm -hmm. And so it's a, but it can be very taxing between my own children and my clients Mm -hmm. and it can become, I never want it to feel like I'm just dialing it in and it just becomes transactional. And, and that was a lot of why I had to step out of my previous management company and start my own was because I wanted to downsize some of the roster and bring in people that I felt like if I'm going to be slaving, if I'm going to be making myself 20 available 24 seven, it was with people that I actually really wholeheartedly believed in. Not to say that I didn't love the talent we had before, but it just, you know, again, they weren't my clients, I inherited them. And so for me, kind of going from the ground up and helping build the foundation for a lot of our clients, there's so much, um, there's just so much love and and pure happiness and joy that we get from doing that as a company, that it's okay. It doesn't feel like a job when I get yeah. pulled away from my children or my personal happiness. It's is that there is joy in that too. Mm, yeah, but you're speaking on something that I think we could have a whole episode on, Shad, because when you do love the work you're doing and you're also a parent, I feel the same way. It's like, but where am I actually carving out that time for me? Because I'm always thinking about this work that serves or thinking about my kids that I have to take care of, but I have to turn some of that inward. And you listed a lot of ways that same, 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 all, all of those things have helped me as well. And so I know for a, a fact that another listener has taken a note to say, oh yeah, I need to, I need to practice that. Yes. From Shab and Karen. Yes, you do. Yes, 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 <laughs> you, you do. do. <laughs> Well, even just business trips, I feel like even now business trips, there's so much yeah. guilt around taking business trips. And I have, you know, I used to be able to do that. What do we call the turn and burns where you'd like mm-hmm. go, you'd come right back within 24 to 48 hours. Cause you don't want to be away from the kids. But mm-hmm. as we get older, that is not as easy. Those red eyes that I, mm-hmm. you know, I still do because I try to minimize the hours gone as much as possible, but I have now gotten to a place where I've had to pad it and I have to be gone. I choose to be gone an extra day or so and try to build in a little bit of me time in there too. If I'm going to be going to New York city, if I'm going yeah. to be going, you know, to Atlanta. Like I want to also enjoy my time and not just be there strictly for work because it's an opportunity to be away from the kids. So exactly. it's like, <laughs> Oh, I hear you. I hear you. I actually just had my first one. Same thing. I would go, I would come back right after an event and I just had my first one where I decided to pad it. Now, granted it was in Madrid, so I couldn't like turn around that fast. So it forced no. me, but I did. That was when I thought to myself, I was like, gosh, I don't ever do this. I literally come straight back. So I savored it. I walked around the cities. You are so right. We have to make sure we are intentional about pouring back in our, into ourselves. And we know this because when we pour back into ourselves, we're that much better for the people that we love and want to support. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's exactly right. I feel like I just, I just had a client the other day have 
a very difficult conversation with me about how they feel like they're failing as a parent because they're working so hard. And it was a very emotional conversation. And, um, you know, I was trying to help them understand that, you know, we're always going to feel that guilt. And I had learned a long time ago through, um, a, a CMO of a very big company who had been having to work, travel a lot, um, between LA and, and San Francisco and had a, had a child. And she had told me that, you know, I've, I come to a place where I realize it's about the quality of time that I have with my child, not the quantity. So you may not, you might, she might've been traveling sometimes, you know, a few days a week, uh, up and down between LA and San Francisco. But she, when she was with her child, she made sure that that time was really sort of special and she was really engaged and she was really present because you can be at home every day with your child and not really be connecting with them. Right. And so, um, and so that's something that I try to learn too, is to your point, it's like when we are able to take care of ourselves and give ourselves what we need, then we become better parents and we make sure that, that we are able to be more engaged and present perhaps because we have allowed ourselves to feed our own souls and nourish ourselves that give us that joy to then reflect back onto our children. Exactly. Exactly. I similar lesson, but it was from Shonda Rhimes book year of yes. Yes. (laughs) I read it there and it was very similar to what you were sharing. And it's so, it's so true. It's so true. And for those of us who are go-getters, right. Who are highly ambitious, like that's not going to stop. So by being intentional about bringing in the other things that can fill our soul, that help to nourish us again, we just become that much more impactful, which is clear that you have got it down. Shab, you have it down between taking care of yourself and also taking care of all of these wonderful souls. I, I loved how, I think it was an article that I saw you were interviewed in. And it said, you don't represent influencers, you represent experts with influence. And so I know that you are helping them in so many ways, not only because you're taking care of yourself, but also because you are following your path. And I thank you so much for sharing all of these insights, business and otherwise here with our audience. It's been an absolute joy connecting with you. Shab, thank you so very much for spending time today. Thank you so much, Karen. I so appreciate you and thank you for making the time. Absolutely. We'll make sure to put more information about Art Collective in the show notes and we'll see you in the next episode. This has been In the Details. If you like the show, tell a friend. For more shows like this, go to success.com slash podcast.